0: And now, back to David Spada and Elliot Harris for more sports and torts on TalkZone.com.
1: On the phone, we have former NBA coach Gene Shue. He was not only a coach, he was a player. He played for the Knicks, the Pistons, the Bullets, and then he went on to coach the Bullets, the 76ers, Clippers. Gene, you have to be tired from all that NBA time in the NBA. I'll tell you. It's been a charm life, Uh, you know,
2: just growing up as a, you know, young kid not really knowing what you're going to be doing and, uh, you know, start dribbling a basketball and, you know, before you know it, you're playing in the pro league and uh, being able to play, you know, being a professional, uh, being able to coach in the league and still working in the league, uh, you know, uh, what is better than that?
0: Were there other sports that you played in that, that had appeal?
2: Yeah, actually, um, of course, um, I'm so much older now, but uh, I went to a small Catholic school, and we had a golf team. And um, Actually, I, I went to, to Towson Catholic, which is no longer in existence. That's where Carmelo Anthony went. But in any event, uh, we only had a few uh, uh students at, uh, at Austin Catholic, there were probably about 100 students total, and uh, so we, you had to play a number of sports. We had a six-man football team, which I tried and got practically killed and, you know, gave that up, but, uh, <laughs> you know, golf and uh, basketball over the years uh, were sports that I played in high school.
1: Who was tougher as a coach? Did you have any priests uh, coaching you, or, or nuns, or was it just all lay <laughs> people? You know
2: what? I I have a lot of respect for uh, you know the education that I, I received. You know I went to parochial school, and you know the nuns were very very tough. There was a lot of discipline in those days, and. Uh, you know, I had guns for the eight years in pro school and then in high school. But, uh, you know, I, I really do appreciate the education that I received and the, you know, the discipline that was there. It really helped me.
0: Okay. So you still keep up with your golf game now that you're out there in sunny California?
2: You know, for a long time, I, I, I really did play a lot of golf, but uh, uh just recently, oh, within the last year, I broke my finger, and uh, so I, I've laid off for quite some time now, but golf is an incredible game. You know, it's it's just a fun game to play because you're outdoors, and uh, you're usually with nice people when you're playing, and it's, uh,
1: it's a terrific way to spend, you know, five, six hours when you play. Gene, I went to Catholic grade schools, high schools, and colleges, and I always thought if you let one of the nuns coach a team, I think they'd be tougher on the players than some of the coaches in today's game. (laughs) It's hard for me
2: to dispute that, (laughs) you know, because I have so many memories of, uh, you know, how, how nuns really were, you know, they, uh, you know, they, they really got asked you, and you had to follow the rules, which, you know, I'm a firm believer in. I've, You know, all that, uh, you know, training, you know, really helped me along as a player and as a
0: coach, because you have to have rules, you have to follow the rules. Nowadays, colleges recruit athletes, you know, and athletes get hundreds of offers. What was it like for you back in the day? (laughs) You're asking
2: some good questions, because, you know, I, I was very, very skinny, and i I really thought I was a good player. Uh, I made all state, you know, for a couple of years, and and I thought I was good. But the, the, we, the big team in those days in the Baltimore area was Loyola College. They had a, a terrific team, and that's really where I wanted to go to school. My other choice was Georgetown, but I was rejected uh, by both of those. And uh, actually, Loyola didn't even recruit me, and. Georgetown in those days, you could—they uh, had tryout players, and so I went over there for tryout. And uh, uh, buddy O'Grady who was the coach, uh, had other players he was looking at, and as it turned out, a player by the name of Luigi Gandhi, who later became a priest, uh, got a scholarship. I
1: suppose I was uh, going to get, and so I ended up at Maryland. After you went to Maryland, you ended up playing with the Knicks early in your career. What were those Knicks teams like?
2: Well, you know the game was—I uh, don't know. When I came in the league, I—I I tried to uh, feel my way and uh, you know become adjusted. The the pro game was much different than what we played at Maryland. Um, uh, you know our style was to you know pass the ball and. And, and move and, and, and then look, you know, look for return passes and, and, and try to get open shots. But, uh, when I got to the Knicks, uh, it, it was entirely different, you know, because it was usually one pass and someone would take a shot. And I wasn't getting any of the shots. I was just like a player who would just pass the ball and go through and come out the other side. So, one thing that was uh, exact exactly like we have nowadays, that's the screen and roll. Most of the pro game in those days was, uh, you know, a two-man game. And it's uh, really interesting because most of the game nowadays is a two-man game. So there, the game really hasn't changed that much uh, in that regard.
0: Okay. Was well, uh, Nick McGuire on that team? And Harry dick McGuire was on that
2: team dick McGuire uh, later became a coach at Detroit we played together in New York and we played together in Detroit he, he was one of the greatest passers the league has ever seen he he had a uh, an incredible sense of where players were on the
0: got to go up at the Celtics it had Bob Cousy and Bill Sharman, which was a, a pretty decent backcourt too, right? Yes. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, the Celtics in those days they had
0: <clears throat>
2: excuse me, they had some uh, they had a great backcourt and uh, Bill Sharman was one of the toughest guys to guard because he was always coming off the screens and they always had some big guy that was just you know killing you on screens. Uh, and, and Coos was a guy who, uh, you know, was spectacular with the ball, you know, could, could make shots and just a great showman and a fantastic player. Uh, but they, they also had, uh, you know, with those offensive players, they had Bill Russell, which, you know, a guy who, you know, wouldn't allow you to get to the basket. So they presented a lot of problems when you played them. You had to be able to, hit mid range shots and take advantage of some opportunities that that you had in the game. Otherwise you're in big time trouble.
1: When you were at the Knicks,
2: Red Holston was your coach, right? No, actually uh I had uh, the two I had Joe Lapstick when I was there the first time because I was with the Knicks twice. Joe Lapstick uh you know was uh, a terrific coach and a lot for the game of basketball, but then Eddie Donovan uh, while I was there, and uh, later on, I'm trying to think, but Vince Barilla also at some point was coaching the team. But that's when I moved on to
0: uh, Fort Wayne. When you were at Fort Wayne, the Pistons ultimately moved to Detroit. What what was that transition going like from a relatively small market like Fort Wayne to a a major metropolis like Detroit? It was a it was a
2: change. You know, Fort Wayne, uh, they, they had a terrific franchise. The people there were uh, wonderful. You know, they're, they're, they had a group of fans were really into the game. You know, they were loyal. They loved the team. They supported the team. We just didn't have enough fans. And Fred Zollner, who owned the team, uh, his business interest was, uh, you know, mainly in Detroit. And the opportunity came along, uh, you know, for him to to move. The atmosphere was entirely different because we uh, we played in the, uh, the Red Wings uh, old ice rink, which I get the name of right now. But
0: was that co-building
1: Cobo Hall?
2: Uh, no, Cobo Hall came later. That was okay. a brand new building. But we we played in where they played hockey, the Red Wings. And uh, it was, you know, they would leave the ice down, and the building was always cold. And starting out, you know, we didn't have all that many fans. So, uh, whereas in Fort Wayne, the atmosphere was warm, because we played in a much smaller gym, uh, we got to Detroit, and it, you know, the atmosphere completely changed, because there, there wasn't that, well, first of all, you were always cold when you're in the arena, but You didn't get that warm feeling uh, from the fans initially.
0: So It it was a big difference in that way. Yeah, And your uniforms back in those days were short shorts. They weren't the long, baggy shorts that players get to wear nowadays either.
2: There was nothing wrong with those short shorts. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of people liked those short shorts.
0: I'm sure some people did.
2: Uh, I I mean, everybody was aware of them. I mean, you know, in high school and grammar school, every. You know, that was the style. I, right. You know, I I still like that style. I have a lot of old-time pictures, you know. But, you know, things have to change. and Whether or not they change for the better, I'm not sure.
0: No, not always. I don't think they're making a comeback, though. Uh,
2: no, I, don't. <laughs> I never say never. It seems like everything comes back.
1: How did you get into coaching?
2: Yeah, that was... The, I, it was just being in the right place at the right time. I was, um, I finished up my career in Baltimore. The Bullets were uh, struggling. Um, they had, uh, like, changed ownership. A guy named Earl Foreman came in. Uh, former referee Arnie Hef had an interest in the team, and they had a silent partner, and his name was Dave Poland. No one no one really knew much about him. And so I, I was in the insurance business because in those days you had to work. Uh, you had to have another job you couldn't get by on what you made as a player. So I, I was had been in the insurance business for five years while I was playing. And so I also uh, was able uh, to do a radio show uh, post-game uh, show for the Bullets. And so, I, I mean, I was a local person. I mean, I grew up in, in Baltimore, you know, and played at Maryland. And so I I, I had a, a small connection with the team. So, again, the team was struggling, and they had hired a number of different coaches. I think Buddy Jeanette coached for a while, and then I think they hired Mike Farmer. And the team was really uh, struggling. So I was offered the job, and uh, it, you know, it was just—it was a big break. It was something that I had been thinking about for a long, long time because uh, the team was struggling. So, and so it—it it was fantastic that Earl Foreman gave me the opportunity, and I—I um, I really enjoyed coaching.
0: Had you taken away from Joe Labchick and Eddie Donovan and some of these other coaches? Uh, Certain techniques or ways of coaching.
2: You know the uh, the coach. Uh, I, I I just want to mention this. The, the, I had a great high school coach. His name is Al me and uh, you know he, he taught me a lot about basketball. Then when I went to the University of Maryland, I played under a guy named Bud Milliken who was the disciple of Hank I, Hank Iba, and so i mean we at the university of maryland we we had to play defense and and we had to play a distance from the style of basketball so i those two coaches i i learned more from them um than any two coaches and then of course uh you know i Joe lapstick was uh a fantastic coach and you know there were things that i learned from him as well but I would say my high school coach and college coach uh helped me the most. I I had a very good background, you know, to uh you know, to become successful. And uh so I I give those guys
1: a lot of credit. And then you went on to coach at 76, or him in the finals in 77. What was that like? Well, you know, you know, the thing about my coaching
2: career, um I when I took over the Bullets, I mean it was a bad team. So uh, I I had the ability to be able to take bad teams and you know bring them to the top very quickly. Um, and you know I I just knew how to do that. And so with the Bullets, you know we we got to the finals in three or four years, uh, you know losing to Milwaukee. And then my very next job was with the 76ers, who had won nine games the previous year. And you know, within four years, we were in the finals, and we we lost in the finals that year to Portland. But I, I it just seemed like all, all all the jobs that I had when I in my pro career were jobs where I, the team had to be rebuilt. And one of the reasons um, one of the reasons uh, w- was that i i would bring in players that uh, you know might be considered difficult players to coach and uh you know my whole idea in coaching was you know if you can help me win i'm going to put up with you know wh- whatever weaknesses you have but once you stop helping me win, uh, you know I'm, you're not going to be on the team. So I had a little bit of a different approach. I know there, you know, there are lots of other coaches who, who think differently. They don't want to take on the more difficult player. But that, you know, I, I just for me, winning was so important, and winning as quickly as possible. I, you know, I never uh, would back down or back off a player. Some
0: might be considered difficult. Now, who? what was your most satisfying uh, case study of a difficult player that, that you brought in and, and was able to help the team win?
2: Oh, wow. You know what? I I don't really want to mention names.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't really want to mention names because... Uh, you know, some players were very, very difficult, were, were very, very good players. Yeah. And I really don't want to do that.
1: How would you deal with a difficult player? Well,
2: usually when you have a difficult player, there are lots of meetings. <laughs> you, you, you have to, you know, get right to, right with the player and uh, let him know what his job is, first of all. You have to spend time with the player, and say this is what I expect of you, and you have to have rules. You, well, for me anyway. I mean, that's the way I coach. You have to have discipline. I, here we go again, but you know, back to my training. Uh, you know, you all players, you know, are the same. You you have to, you know, whatever the rules are, you have to follow. And uh, the league, you know, allow the fine system. Uh, in those days, you know, if a player didn't conform to what you were doing. But, you know, with with problem-type players, you have to have lots of meetings with players. And, again, my my whole idea was, uh, you know, I can put up with your conduct and the way you act, you know, as long as you help me to win, because winning was the most important thing to me. And, uh, you know, basically... It worked for me. I, I had some bad moments. I mean, um, you know, with guys, it became very difficult, but uh, they were usually traded or,
0: uh, you know, released. Was there any team or any coach that you took uh, particular enjoyment out of beating? I like to
2: beat all the coaches.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I, I I was one of those, uh, and, and to this day still am, I... You know, winning, you know, in in any game, you know, is really important to me. And I think when I was a kid, I would have, I was one of those kids who was a sore loser who, you know, just, uh, I quite honestly didn't handle myself very well when I would lose at anything. And I think I'm still a sore loser. I, I just, you know, when I play tennis, or if I compete in anything, um,
1: and, and I really mean anything, I still don't like to lose the game. How do you go to the finals with Philadelphia in 77, and then the next year end up with the Clippers?
2: Well, that's a long story, which I don't think I'm going to get into, but um, uh, the bottom line was um, what happened in Philadelphia was, you know, because we... There was a change in ownership. A guy named Fitz Dixon, uh in my third year there, uh, bought the team from Irv Kozlov. He became the owner. Then, uh, you know, some things are happening. And what happened was just ridiculous because I was fired the, the next year, like six games into the season. And... Um, there were there were just some things that were happening uh, within the organization, um, and so I moved on to the
0: Clippers. Who was the best ball player you ever either played against or coached against? Wow,
2: wow! You, you, know, you have lot. You got a lot to choose from there. That's too hard to answer, be, uh, you know, because I coached so many good players. You know, I. Coach Dr. Jay, you know, Wes Unsell, Earl Monroe, Elvin Hayes was one of the best power forwards in the game, and, and, you know, his name is hardly ever mentioned when they, you know, talk about great power forwards. Uh, You know, I played with all the best players, you know, Oscar Robertson, Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, Will Chamberlain, Kuzi, Sharman, you know, I I played with just about all the top players and, uh, you know, coached, uh, you know, against many of the top players. And,
1: you know, it's, it's too hard to say. Now you're working for the Philadelphia 76ers. What do you think of the 76ers team this year?
2: You know, we're fantastic. Um Doug Collins has done an incredible job with the team, and you know we are one of the uh, we're we're really a, a fun team to watch. Uh, you know we're, we've hit some rough patches lately because we we had this uh, you know Spencer Hawes has been out and he's he was also, to the you know his best year, and it's really hurt us. And we you know we probably could have won. With him in the lineup, maybe four or five more games. So, but we're a fun team to watch. Doug has the team; uh, it's it's refreshing. He has the team playing unselfishly. Uh, you know, we, we really pass the ball around. We, you know, it's when a guy's open, he gets the ball. We we run a, a motion offense, and uh, you know the players. Every night, you know, which I really respect, players come to the game every night and they play hard and they, you know, they play to win the game and we're, you know, there are times we're on the break, we're electrifying, you know, when we're, our defense is really sharp, we create turnovers and we're as good as anybody is getting down, up and down the floor, you know. Over, off the turnovers. So it's 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 a real pleasure watching the team Doug Collins, uh you know, is a player who I coached uh you know, as a rookie and uh you know, he's just done a great job with the team.
1: Speaking of doing a great job, Elliot, would you go in the halls and find a well, beautiful Well, you know, we just
0: wander around aimlessly what you know, while these some of these taped interviews are going on and lo and behold we come across Francine Slobodnik, who is the Class A amateur bikini winner from the Arnold Sports Festival. And we'll be coming back with her. Francine, right. how do you say
1: stay tuned in Polish? Um, Wieczorem teraz i zaraz przyde. Got that? <laughs> I got it. We'll be back in a second.